You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. You guys ready for a joke? Uh, you're going to like this one. This one's, uh, this one's pretty funny. So I say. That's what my wife says. So I say. I didn't let my wife check this out, so if, if y'all don't like it, it's her fault, okay? Okay, so here's the joke. Two elderly men were eating breakfast in a restaurant one morning. Bill noticed something funny about Joe's ear, and he said, Hey, Joe, did you know you've got a suppository in your left ear? <laughs> Joe answered, I have a suppository. He pulled it out and stared at it. Then he said to Bill, I'm glad you saw this thing. Now I think I know where my hearing aid is. Boop, boop, boop. Come on. Come on. That's not church for... Okay, I, I apologize. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Uh, well, my kids aren't here today, so they can't, they can't hold me. It, uh, uh, oh, one of them is... Oh, sorry. Tri- <laughs> Tristan, you're not here. You're not here. Hey, do we have a slide for generosity? All right. You guys ready? Generosity. Some of you guys are hanging on your chair going, man, I left a church just a little while ago, and that's all they talked about was giving. Giving. Well, I hope today, hey, by the way, I've got some really great news, too. This is going to be a really encouraging message. Uh, it's not going to be a downer, so uh, lighten up. It's, it's all good. Uh, but at the end of this time, we're going to do some prophetic words for you guys. So y'all excited about that? Who doesn't like to get encouraged? Come on. So we're going to be doing that. But, you know, uh, Charles Spurgeon said, it is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. Isn't that good? beyond the realm of possibilities to outgive God. And uh, I think we all need to really redefine um, that word because for the most part, especially in the South, it's been associated with messages that manipulate rather than bring freedom and revelation. Amen? And uh, I just want to encourage you today because generosity is something that is so not just about monetary giving. It's about who he is. It's not just something God participates. It's who he is. But religion is what, religion comes in and it takes the word generosity and it turns it into a, a work. It turns it into an act. It turns it into something you have to do in order for you to be accepted by God. And I want you to know that's simply not true. I, I want to I read a verse to you that, that Jesus, uh, Jesus said in Luke 11.42. He said, But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So, so many times, yeah, come on. 
That's good. We all should be laughing and getting excited about that one. Listen, it's, it's not, Jesus basically is saying, you guys are really good at talking about the 10% and making sure that you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing legally by the law, but you have forgotten about the most important things. And the, more, the most important things is that God is a generous God, but more importantly, he is generous, not just to be generous, but he's generous to pour out his love through you. And we've got to understand that generosity in action looks like you and I fleshed out and you and I walking around. It was what Raul was talking about going through with the cashiers and, and encouraging and bringing, bringing words that uh, people need to hear during the day. And my wife was just saying, make it fun. You know, I don't give them words necessarily as much as I hug them and I just encourage them and I say, hey man, have a great day and uh, praying for you, you know, and they just love that. And so, you know, generosity comes in so many different forms other than just financial. And we've got to refocus and we've got to hit the reset button on understanding what that generosity looks like. And, um, you know, it's generosity can release truth. It can release freedom in people's lives when we allow God to be generous through us. But listen, it takes some work. It really does take some work. And it, and it takes really kind of dying to self sometimes because we all get busy. We all get distracted. We, get, we all get in this, in this race where we're trying to get something done. We have our, our list that we're checking off for the day. And we get so busy sometimes that we forget that God wants to be generous, not just to us individually, but through us to give it to other people. Amen? You know, God is extravagantly generous. He is a good father who gives good gifts to his children. And you know, some of the greatest messages don't come from a pulpit. They come through you. Because of the generosity that God has poured out on your life. And as you walk that out and you preach that out in your life by example and being a role model, God's goodness gets revealed to people in a place where it's dark, in a place where there's discouragement, a place where there's anxiety and frustration, and a place where people feel like there's never enough. God will use your life to bring clarity and to bring truth and to reveal who he is to this world. Amen? I want to read Matthew 7 and uh, 9 through 11. And uh, many of you are familiar with this verse. It says, which, which of you, if your son asks for bread, you will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you will give him a snake? He said, if you then... Uh, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. And he said, for this sums up the law and the prophets. I mean, that's incredible. The whole thing around love and around giving and him... Saying this is a perfect example of him as a good, he's saying, I am a good father. And if you being natural and not being supernatural and walking in a place where you've, you've stumbled or you've had sin, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will I give you good gifts? 
if you'll just ask and you come to me and say, hey, Dad, I need this. I need this in your life. But really, it's more, it's more not just about a material thing. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. Let's throw up that uh, James 1.17 up there real quick and read through that one. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, which with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let's leave that up there for a minute. Don't turn it. Let's look at this. It says, whom there is no variableness. And that word variableness means likely to change or tending to deviate. God is saying, I am not going to change. I'm not going to deviate from the course of my purpose and my intention of blessing you because I love you unconditionally. We, we all have some work to do. We all have some work to do. We, we need to go in and we need to blow out the lies that have been told to us over our adult lives or even through our, our, our lives as children if, if we didn't have good role models or we didn't have a good experience with God. We need, can you put the, back? Oh, that's okay. Just leave it down. We need to come in and we need to understand that God, there is no variableness in him. That he is intentional no matter what we've experienced. No matter what. Listen, I remember before I came back to the Lord and I, I, I hadn't given my life to him, there were so many things that were happening in my life at once. And it seemed like every time I was getting knocked down, every time I was getting the rug pulled out from under me. And I began to create this theology, and it was a wrong theology, but I created this theology that God was a withholder and that he was a taker. And that's all, and, and he was waiting for the moment for me to mess up so that he could punish me by withholding a blessing or by taking something that was really important to me. And that was my vision, that was my, that was my picture of who God was in my life because I thought there was variableness in him. I thought he would change his mind about who I was because of the things I had done. And it took me years to get healed of that mentality. And so... Today, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you. You can, you, know, you can do a mini sozo on yourself, and you just go in and ask the Father, say, Father, what do you think about me? And, and just get really quiet and write down what you hear. And let me give you a clue. If you hear something negative, and that's something that's outside, of, that, that agrees with the lies that you are already participating with, that's not the Father. That's not the Holy Spirit. The words that you're going to hear only come from a good, good father. And they're going to be encouraging, affirming. They're going to be telling you how amazing you are and how much he loves you. But I'm telling you right now, we need to get a, a different grasp of who he is in our lives. And that he never withholds anything from us, especially his presence and especially his goodness. Pop up that next verse, Psalms 103 Verses 1 through 5. I love David. You know, David is a perfect example. You want to talk about somebody who could get up and complain that uh, God's generosity was not, uh, not being poured out in his life. David could be a number one candidate, couldn't he? Because David went through some massive hard times. But David understood that his enemy was never God. 
He, he did. He had, a, he had a supernatural revelation that he understood. Even when Saul was trying to kill him, he did not quit honoring Saul. Why? He had a supernatural revelation of who God was even in Saul. I mean, we're talking about the guy who was a model uh, king. He was a model son. He was, a, and when he said, oh, well, he couldn't have been a model son. He could have been a model, you know, because he killed people. He was a man of war. He was all this. He was all that. He sinned in his life. And I, he was a model man after God's heart because his heart was always after God. And he was so willing and so quick to repent whenever he made a mistake. And I, I want to be just like that. I want to be a, a model person, a model son after God, the one that, that is so quick that when I miss it, that I repent. Amen? Don't you want to be like that? Listen, that's where you stay in the continual presence of God because there's no separation and there's no break. Why? Because you're close to him and he's closer to you. Yeah, so let's read Psalms 103, uh, 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my most inner being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Oh, wow. Man, we could make a list. I started to do that, and I was like, well, what are his benefits? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, uh, I mean, just keep going. We can keep going about what his benefits are. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and combat, compassion. Who, satisfy, who satisfies your desires with good things. Everybody say good things. So that your youth is renewed like eagles. Amen. 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 Listen. Uh, generosity is directly tied to the nature of God. His nature is love, and he gives his love indiscriminately. Aren't you glad? It's not anything you have to do. All you have to do is receive it. It's indiscriminate. He doesn't love one person more than he loves the other person. It's indiscriminate. I love that word indiscriminately because I know that he's not going to pull away from that. He's not going to turn from that. His generosity is not dependent on our actions Okay? His generosity, this is good. His generosity is not dependent on our actions, but our actions will definitely echo how, it, how we respond to it. You, you remember, I'm going to tell, tell on myself a little bit, uh, Gladiator. Anybody ever seen Gladiator with the rest of the crowd? Come on, man. It's a great guy movie. So he's given a speech to the, to the, to the army, and one of the things he says uh, what we do in life echoes through eternity. Come on. How we receive God's generosity in our lives will echo through eternity. Because it will paint a picture on you. It will put a mark on you. And when you're out from behind these four walls or from the four, hall, four walls of your home, you will be a marked man, a marked woman for God. And people will see God's generosity on your life. Why? Because you know who you are. You know that his generosity isn't just for you, but it's for others as well. God has blessed us in every way. Man, he has blessed us in every way so that we can be generous in every way to advance his kingdom. And what does generosity look like in our lives? I mean, it can look like a lot of things, but uh, I just wrote down a few. It, it can look like uh, giving of our time, giving of our love, 
giving of our talents and our gifts, our finances, our words. And listen, when, when we do these things and we give these things and we sacrifice these things, what it does, it attracts God's attention. It does. Why? Because there is, a, there is an amount of faith that is attached to it. Because you can't do anything unless you're doing it in faith as a Christian. And I'm going to prove that to you. But here, here's, it draws, when you do these things, it draws heaven's blessing and favor and produces the most important thing. It produces transformation in your life. Not only does it produce transformation in your life, but it produces transformation in other people's lives. Come on. It changes the way they see themselves. It changes the way they do things. It enables him to trust us with true riches in his kingdom. And what are the true riches in his kingdom? People. People. Us. People. His people. 1 John 4, 19. We love. Why? Because he first loved us. So good. So good. Listen. Our faith, when partnered with God, births miraculous things it bursts miracles hebrews eleven six, and here we're diving into the faith piece hebrews eleven six, and without faith it is impossible to please god because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him now this is going to sound crazy but i want you to go i want you to key in on this thing where it says he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This sounds like works mentality. Oh, he's going to reward me because I'm doing something to get him to see me and to get to move, to move his hand. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, even when we talk about tithe, which I don't want to get into the tithe because there's so much stuff to unpack with that. Even when he came in and we see in the, the Italian prophets or the uh, Italian book back in the Old Testament, uh, Malici. You guys know where Malici is? It says, you've robbed, you've robbed God you, because you've robbed me, because you haven't given me this and this and this. Yeah, even though he is talking uh, about money in that, what he's really talking about is Israel's hearts had fallen away from him. He wanted their heart more than he wanted their money. This is the same principle for us today. He wants your heart more than he wants your money. Somebody say amen. Come on, wake up. Come on, you guys should be shouting on that one. Come on. Where's my drink? Did I leave it somewhere? Oh, I need a drink. Thank you, thank you. Coke Zero, by the way. Okay. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. But what I love about this verse is it says that he will rewards those who earnestly seek him. Why? He wants you to come to him because you love him. And when you come to him because you love him and because you genuinely want to hear what he, says, what he has to say and what his thoughts are and what his intentions are and what he thinks and his wisdom, he will reward you for that just because he loves you, because he loves the fact that you're coming after him. How many of you guys have had kids in here, whether they're small now or they're adult children, that when your kids came to you or come to you, that... They're coming and they're asking questions. And when they come, you feel, I mean, you might not think of it this way, but as I started diving into this, you start thinking about, oh, man, that makes my heart so happy that they're coming to me and they're asking me questions and that they want to hear what I really think about it. 
Well, immediately my heart is I want to reward them when they do that. And when I say reward them, it doesn't have to be monetary. It can be with love or affection or encouragement. That's how God is. He's a good dad. Yes, come on. I know this is pretty simple, but I'm going to tell you something. People miss this. They miss it because they think God's after one thing when he's really after something else. But he will reward you when you come to him. And it says that you can't do anything if you don't do it in faith. It's impossible to please God if you don't come with him in faith. Because why? Because you have to believe that if you come to him, he is going to reward you. And so many people run from him instead of come to him. And I, I can, I'm sure I can see the real going. And when we've made poor choices and poor, poor decisions and we've made bad mistakes, and God's just saying, if, if you'd have just came to me, we could have we alleviated all this. We could have alleviated all of it. Amen. Wouldn't you agree with that? How many times would I not had to suffer through the stupid choices that I made if I hadn't just done something out of impulse and reacted instead of responded. And I'm learning. You know, as we get, you know, there's something, something is, there is something on age. When you get older, you learn some things. You learn you don't want to do the same thing twice or three times or go around that mountain 50 times like I have so many times. I get tired of that, you know, and it's like there, there's been times in my life where I've made some really bad choices. And I've, I've, I've left jobs sometimes or I've left positions because it was hard. <laughs> Somebody called a ambulance. Anybody ever seen that? The Bruce Willis movie with the kid? This person sitting across from Bruce Willis, who's the executive, and he's like just telling them how hard it is. And Bruce Willis, he doesn't even say nothing. He just starts going, somebody call the ambulance. Listen, it's, I'm sorry. I get pictures with movies and stuff. I can't help it. Um, listen, yeah, you, uh, life's hard. Life's hard sometimes. But it's, <laughs> I said this before, I'm going to say it again because it's perfect opportunity. Life's hard. John Wayne was quoted, said, life's hard, but it's hard, harder when you're stupid. And, 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 let me tell you, that's true. It is true. When you do not learn from your mistakes, it is going to be really, really hard. So, uh, yeah, it's hard. But listen, I, we, we have to understand that we can stay the course in where we're at and believe that he will reward us. And if we'll just stay and we go to him and we run to him. And we stay in faith about the, whatever situation we're in. And uh, that's, what, that's what I love about great faith and standing in a place and believing that God's going to handle something for you. Because if you allow him to handle it for you, it's not going to be, it's what he's going to give you is not going to come with pain and misery. It's going to come with life and more abundant life. Amen? He's not the thief. John 10.10 10 says the thief who's the enemy is the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. First Kings, I want to tell you a story in First Kings 17, 7. Uh, it's another great story. Talking about what happens when we put our faith in action and we believe what God is saying. And our faith prepares us for the miraculous. First uh, Kings 17, 7. And, and what, what we see here is Elijah the prophet has uh, been in Israel, and uh, there's a new king. His name's Ahab, and Ahab's not a good guy. Uh, 
He's, he's leading the nation of Israel to worship false gods and all this other things, all these other things. And uh, basically, uh, God sends Elijah uh, to kind of rebuke him a little bit. And he says, hey, you know, and, and until you turn from what you're doing, uh, there's going to be no rain in this, in this country for, uh, let's see, where's it? I'm going to another spot. Let's see. Uh, there, will, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So Elijah just gave me one. He said, there's not going to be any rain or dew. So it's going to become like a dust bowl here until you decide to get your act together. And then when you decide to get your act together, then I'll speak the word and the rain and the dew will come back. That's crazy, isn't it? But I, I bet it, it, it started getting his attention. So Elijah, God warns Elijah because now the, the king's after him because, he, of course, he didn't like the word he got. And uh, he's like, I'm going to kill you. And uh, doesn't make a lot of sense because the guy that says, hey, it ain't going to happen unless I give the word, you don't want to kill that guy. You want to keep him around for a little bit. So Elijah, God or, orders Elijah to go by a stream to, be, uh, to have fresh water. And uh, then, he, of course, you know all the story about the ravens coming and giving him bread and all this stuff. So here in 7 says, Sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the uh, town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, what, uh, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, he called and he said, Also, bring me a piece of bread. And she says, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Wow, that's pretty harsh. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. And I'm sure she was sitting there going, wow, did he just tell me to bring what little I had left to him? Did you not just hear the story I just told you? I have only enough to make a dinner for me and my son and then we're going to die. And now you want me to give you what I got, so I'll just go ahead and die. So. Go on in 14, it says, For this is what the Lord said, the God of Israel says, The jar of flour, flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the, the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Listen, this is amazing because this story talks about when our faith is partnered with God, it definitely births miracles. This is a prime example of that. And you know, there's going to be many times in our life when we feel like we just can't give anymore. I've given everything I've given. I've given all my emotional, you know, that I can give. I've given all my money I can give. I've given this. I've given that. And it's in these places that if we'll understand that what we think will exhaust what we have, 
that we won't have enough, that it's the beginning of a miracle. It's the beginning of God doing something special in our lives. Yeah, and it's in these moments that God is testing our trust and our faith in him to perform the miraculous. And it's in these moments we are forged into instruments for his purpose to totally eradicate and lack and bring truth. Um, you know, God's generosity brings freedom. It totally brings freedom. Uh, I'm going to read to you in Luke uh, 21, 1 through 4. Luke 21, 1 through 4. Where did I go here? 21, 1 through 4. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temp temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Yeah. And when we do that, and we go to a place where when we know that generosity is, is, is a two-way street, that we can put aside the fear that we don't have this poverty mentality that if we give everything that we have, there won't be enough. That's actually attached to an orphan spirit because an orphan always says there's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough for me. There's not enough at the table. There's not enough. There's not enough love to go around. There's not enough food. There's not enough clothes. There's not. And that thing jumps. When, when you stick to a, when you get into a place where you're adhering to the law without the spirit of freedom, you're going to fall into a place of dead works. We have to understand that generosity comes not from a place of dead works. It comes from a place of freedom. Because we know who we are. And we know it won't dry. The brook's not going to dry up. The, the oil and the, and the, and the uh, flour is not going to give out. Why? Because we got a word from God. And that word from God is that God will never for David said it. He said, in all my days, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen them, seen them left or deserted. God is so good. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And until we, under, until we get into a place where that resonates in our life and we, we know that no longer we have to be fearful because we believe the provision is scarce, instead we become so confident that God multiplies our resources and is eager to provide. Why? Not just to prosper us, but to prosper people around us. You know, I, I used to, and I used to be a waiter a uh, long time ago, it, uh, back in the day when I first got saved and spirit-filled and uh, did it. And I loved it when I got big tips because big tips were, man, it made me feel good. It, 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 it brought provision for me, took care of me and all those things. And, and then I got into the church and into certain sides of the church where I began to become a Pharisee and a, and a Sadducee. And uh, everything started becoming, where it's what Jesus was saying in Luke. You guys measure everything out. You're, everything's got to be perfect. And if you do exactly this, then God is going to move on your behalf. 
And it was all backwards because what it was doing, it was putting me back into a place of being an orphan. It was putting me back into a place of a poverty mentality. I was spiritually going bankrupt. And that wasn't God's intention. So now today, I mean, it's taken, you know, for years that happened for me. And now it's like when I get to go and I go into restaurants with waiters and stuff, I I don't look at the thing and say, oh, well, I'm just going to give them 15%. I start thinking, how much can I give them? Like, God, what do you you want me to give this guy? And, you know, I bless them. I mean, I bless them so much. There's one restaurant down the street from here that we absolutely love. And when I walk in now... This guy looks for me, and buddy, he is, he is coming after me, and he is sitting me down, and he is giving me the service I've never had before. Why? Is it because I'm trying to control him by giving him a good? No, I'm trying to be generous to him so that he experiences generosity without conditions. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't become the... Uh, the, the the overlord or the, or the, the part, what's the word per customer? There's another word for it. Patron, right? Patron, uh, that comes in and, oh, well, if you don't give me great service, I'm not going to give you a good tip. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's been times I've given people tips when they did not deserve it. But you know what? That's the heart of the guy, of the father. What did he do for us when we didn't deserve it? When you do stuff like that, you punch the devil in the face. You really do. And what you do is you just, you, you build yourself up in faith, and it positions you for a greater miracle. So that when that thing happens, when most people wouldn't even be able to, they, they, they wouldn't even be able to fathom what they were fixing to do. You go in guns blazing because you know God's going to provide for you. Why? Because you've got equity. You got equity. All right, I'm wrapping this up. Yeah, definitely got to wrap it up. I, I, got, a, I got this testimony that happened to me a few years ago. Uh, it's quite a few years ago. Um, it's back when I was at Bethel, Atlanta. And uh, I, uh, I'm a big hunter. Nobody, everybody knows that. I love to hunt. And uh, back then I, was, I had a, a bow. It was a pretty decent bow, you know, bow and arrow compound bow. And... Uh, I, I literally took that bow, and I was in a worship service one day, and I, I didn't have the money to go buy a brand new bow, but during the worship service, God said, hey, I want you to give that bow to somebody, and I was like, okay, and I'm like, but what am I going to do for a bow this hunting season, <laughs> and I, I really feel like God said, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it, and, and, I, and, and I just want you to, I want you to be, I want you to act in a, in, a, in a place of obedience on this. And I want you to give that bow away. So I went to the person, gave him the bow. They were excited about it. Two weeks later, I have a guy come up to me in the service. And he said, uh, he didn't know I did this. He did, had no idea. Now, he knew me, but he didn't know I had given a bow away. He came up to me and he said, hey, I, I was in service two weeks ago. And the Lord told me, I need to go buy you a brand new bow. You know, and the bow I had was probably about $375 or something like that. And I got one for about, this one was about $1,500. Upgrade. So just, just, to, just to say this, generosity, when we really understand 
the nature of who God is. Generosity will not be a problem for, for us. Because we know what we give away will come back to us. Give. It shall be given to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. Shall who? Man, give unto you. Even when they're not looking, when you don't, when you're not looking for it, what God is going to be moving on your behalf, even when you can't see it. Amen.